Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Question of the week from the Naked Scientists. Hello and welcome to Question of the Week. I'm Otis Kingsman and today's infectious inquiry comes from listener Malcolm. How can we identify a disease? When looking at a sample of chromosomes, what are scientists looking for to spot a disease gene? Well, what indeed? When infected with a new disease, it's imperative for scientists to know exactly what it is in order to find the best cure for it. So how do they do it? Here to break it down is Jocelyn Pearl from Tune Therapeutics and host of the Lady Scientist podcast. When we're trying to identify a disease from someone's genetic sequence, we have to compare two different sequences. Think about your chromosomes like a library of books. And the hunt for a disease gene is like looking for a book where an important word or sentence is different from the reference or correct version. And this difference impacts the transcription or the translation of that gene in such a way that it causes differences to the amount of a given protein or the function of a protein. Changes to the genetic sequence of a gene are called mutations. We can read these out using sequencing technology. One common way that we look at the genetic sequence is using a method called Sanger sequencing. We get a readout for the four base pairs of DNA called nucleotides. And these are represented in that sequence information as letters. Those letters are A, T, C, or G. Each group of three nucleotides within a gene represents the codons of that gene, and that's what gets translated into amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins. These proteins are the instructions for all sorts of processes within our bodies. When a disease is present, it leads to a mutation occurring in the codons in the protein. The disruption in the transcription or translation of a gene can change the function of the protein or the amount of that protein in a person. In sickle cell disease, the gene that encodes the protein beta hemoglobin is mutated. And this mutated gene makes a person's red blood cells form a sickle shape, and they cannot carry as much oxygen around the body. The human genome is complex. It's like sifting through multiple libraries. As such, finding these mutations can still be quite difficult. Fortunately, we have a few tools and techniques to help us. That's correct. We use tools like whole genome sequencing or even whole exome sequencing that only looks at the expressed proteins in the genome to find things like inherited gene mutations. We also use something called genetic markers to conduct genome-wide association studies. 
These make comparisons across populations of people so that we can understand genes that are associated with more complex diseases that might be caused by multiple factors or changes to individuals' genome or library. Some of these types of diseases are things like obesity or schizophrenia. Over the years, we have learned more about the genes that can cause disease, but there's still much to understand. So, Malcolm, scientists identify disease genes by looking for mutations in the DNA sequences. If our codons aren't correct, then it will affect the function of our proteins and lead to illnesses and problems within our body. But thanks to new technologies and developments in medicine, by identifying them, we can start to figure out how to best cure it. Thank you to Jocelyn Pearl for clearing things up. Next week, we'll be charging headfirst into this question from listener Barry. Would a car battery's maximum capacity decrease over time like that of a phone battery? If you at home have a question you'd like to be featured, email us at chris at nakedscientist.com, submit it through our website, nakedscientist.com, or log on to our forum, nakedscientist.com forward slash forum. I'm Otis Kingsman. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Question of the Week is part of the Naked Scientists podcast and supported by the Wellcome Trust and UK Fast. Look us up online at nakedscientists.com. Thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.